Welcome everyone to another episode in our Open to Happiness podcast. I am your host, Nicoletta, and today I will be joined by Frank Ramos, a lawyer from Miami, Florida, USA. We will be talking about the relationship between justice and happiness. And oh my God, I'm so looking forward for this topic. Hello, Frank, and very welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You know, you're very welcome. Thank you for uh, reaching out and touch. I'm very happy to actually have you here. Can't wait to get through this topic of justice and happiness. It's a very important one for all of us. But before we dive into this topic, Frank, um, let's find out a little bit about you. Let's warm up a bit. And maybe you can share with us who are you and how was your journey in life so far? Of course. Uh, thanks for asking. I am a lawyer in Miami. I've been practicing for almost a quarter of a century and been at this firm for most of my career. I do a mix of commercial employment and products litigation. In my spare time, I do a lot of mentoring to young lawyers and law students and other professionals. I have my own website called MiamiMentor.com where I have my books there for free, videos, other materials. I think a lot of young individuals, professionals don't have mentors or people to help guide them through their careers. And so I try to do that uh, through the website. I try to do it through coffee chats. I have a coffee shop across the street that I go meet people at, or I do that through phone calls and other means, you know, just trying to give uh, young lawyers and other professionals opportunity and some guidance and how to best approach their lives and their careers. Wow, that sounds fantastic. How did you end up uh, doing this profession? Uh, you know, it, I kind of fell into it. Uh, when I was young, my parents wanted me to become a professional. My dad was a meat packer. My mom was a maid and they wanted me to be a white collar professional. And okay. they said, you know, be a doctor or a lawyer. I didn't really want to be a doctor. So I kind of became a lawyer by <laughs> default. Uh, but I've enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, despite not being something that I've really thought about much, I've really come to enjoy and embrace the profession and it provides a lot of opportunities, you know, talk about justice and happiness, or a lot of opportunities to help a lot of individuals along the way, both in terms of helping them develop themselves professionally, but also helping folks who may not have access to the courts or um, have certain issues that they don't know how to resolve or address. You know, right now we're in the middle of this uh, war in the Ukraine. A lot of those individuals are fleeing their country and I've seen a lot of lawyers, a lot of whom don't even do immigration law, reaching out and trying to help them with their immigration status, help them get uh, uh, an opportunity to find a place to stay and deal with whatever immigration issues and laws that they may have. So uh, again, law provides an opportunity for all of us to give back and to pay it forward. Wow, so wonderful. So now we can say that probably you're passionate about justice because it's it's been your profession for 25 years and it looks like you're mentoring others so there's there's a sense of purpose in there for you it's aligned to what you want to do with your life it's not just a, a job it's not just an occupation is it it's, no it's it isn't much and, more uh, than that yeah yeah it's a great point uh my website the first page that pops up says my purpose is your purpose and i believe that as you said each of us has a a purpose a greater calling and if i can help others achieve theirs and i feel like i've done a lot with my life mm. wonderful i love that so frank tell us a little bit about your understanding of justice what is justice uh, in your in your mind you you know, I think justice, um, and it depends on the setting, um, but I think justice is making sure 
there's a certain fairness about how things come out. People always talk about how life isn't fair, but we'd like to think that the legal system uh, makes sure that it is fair, that people get a fair shake, that people get due process, that individuals um, receive uh, the attention, the care, and, and um, the attention that they need in whatever circumstances they find themselves in. And our legal system uh, has served us well over the last several hundred years. It has its failings, it has its shortcomings, but uh, there are a lot of people that are dedicated to always improving it and making sure that it serves the least among us. And I think being a lawyer, there are a lot of people who pursue careers in public interest or individuals who uh, pursue careers in pro bono and helping others. And, you know, I think no matter where we're at, whether we're in this legal system or we're outside of it, um, we all have a role and a part to play to ensure that it is behaving the way it should, that it's that everybody in the system is acting the way they should, and that everybody is receiving uh, the due process and the care that they should. Right. So is the, is the justice on, on art in your view? How do you see it from your perspective? Of course, you're a little bit biased because <laughs> uh, you're in it, you're in the system, but is, is there justice on art? Well, what would you, say? I, you know, I, I think that much more can be done to provide legal services to people who can't afford it. Uh, traditionally, historically, those with the greatest means have had the greatest access to courts. And they're the ones who can afford the best lawyers, who can represent them mm. in the most creative and imaginative ways and secure the results that they want. And a lot of folks, uh, because of the high cost of legal representation, don't get access to that. And to extent, as a society, we've tried to curtail that through public defenders and legal aid societies and so forth. And I think a lot more can be done in that regard. And I think technology is going to be a huge disruptor uh, in the sense that it's going to provide a lot of legal services to people who didn't otherwise afford or have access to them. And I think we're seeing that revolution happening now. And I want to say in the next 10 years or so, we're going to see a lot of individuals who may not have otherwise been able to afford a lawyer, can't afford one, uh, can get access to help them do their wills, help them do their bankruptcies, help them go through their divorces or adoptions, whatever else it might be. Or, you know, buying or selling a home um, or business or whatever it could be and trying to democratize the whole legal system and make it more available to uh, a lot of individuals who otherwise didn't have access to it. Mm -hmm. When we try to conceptualize the, the act of justice, we usually look at this through the perspective of two actors involved in something, one of them being the perpetrator and the other one being the victim. Uh, if we look at this through the perspective of two people being involved in a wrongdoing, but of course it can involve systems and institutions and so on. So the question is now, which part of the fence are you? Are you for the one that is hurting or for the one that has been hurt? Because I remember the, the French uh, writer Voltaire, he used to say that it is better to risk uh, saving a, a guilty person than to maybe condemn the innocent. So the justice seems to be blind. You really don't know which way you're going. You're trying to assess the circumstances. Where do you position yourself from your standpoint? Well, you know, I, I typically do civil work. I don't do criminal work, but I understand your question about sort of the criminal perspective. I think most people on the outside looking into our profession kind of assume uh, that a big part of what we do is criminal work and in terms of protecting the innocent and ensuring that the guilty um, get they're just rewards. Uh, but in terms of that process, I think 
with so many changes in technology, especially things with DNA testing and everything else, and um, all the other aspects that are involved with that, I, I'm finding that you know projects like the Innocence Project, some other of these projects, ensuring that people who did not commit crimes are not uh, inadvertently uh, sent to jail for things that they did not do, while also uh, a lot of the some of that same technology, especially things dealing with genetic uh, modifiers, uh, you know, 23 mean all these things are helping uh, close cold cases that have been open for a very long time, for years, if not decades. So I think what we're finding is that, again, technology uh, in terms of the biological sciences and just genetic studies and so forth is making it a lot easier to ensure that the process that's been in place legally is backed up by uh, genetic markers and other things to ensure that the right people are getting uh, their just desserts. Mm. Mm. So, so lovely. So now we're looking a little bit into the concept of justice. Let's uh, tie it a little bit with, with happiness. What is the impact of injustice on our mental health based on your work experience and life experience as well? I, you know, I think that um, we all have this general sense of fairness, and as much as we want to believe that we understand that life isn't fair, it is uh, problematic and does undermine our mental health when things don't go the way they should go. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we're uh, when we're watching television and things like what's happening in Ukraine is happening, or when somebody yes. who committed a crime is let go, or, or, or there are a whole host of things. They're on the news every day, and they're in the papers and and in their feeds when we read them and scroll through them. Uh, that can create that dissonance can create a lot of uh, depression and anxiety because we think that things are outside of our control. And I think uh, a way to counter that is to really sort of look at when things work and look at when uh, people are doing the right things. You know, um, there's a question about, you know, always looking for the helpers uh, and you know, looking for uh, people who are doing the right thing and are, and are trying to help uh, the process and help others. You know, I, I think we should probably spend more time looking for those success stories when we can. I know that they're not, they don't make great news stories because they're not, you know, they're, they're not, front page type things, but they're there. And I think trying to find them in our own lives, trying to find examples through friends and family, trying to find examples of people who are involved in the news and doing that, those are all good ways of countering the effect of all the negative stories that are out there where things aren't working the way we expect them to. Mm. And now let's move the discussion uh, uh, slowly into the social justice uh, a topic because I see it in my therapy practice. Many people are affected by discrimination, by prejudice. They really struggle. I mean, we look at government to, to provide a sense of equity in the world, but it's not really, um, you know, it's not really working all the time. We see people that um, struggle a lot uh, to make their way through life. So, what, what you experience from that perspective of the social justice? I think. For those people who are doing everything they can and aren't advancing as much as they like and, you know, feel like for every step forward they take, they're taking two steps back, the process itself is very important. And I think for those of us who have been challenged and have not had things go our way, even though they should have, 
that process really makes us a lot stronger. And at the, when we're going through it, it's very challenging. We're in the storm and we just want to get out on the other side of it. And we see all these things that are happening that shouldn't be happening, yet they are. But I think all those experiences collectively for each of us makes us stronger, makes us help us deal better with the next unfair circumstance and situation, makes us mm. better appreciate that things are often outside of our control. And it's not so much what is happening, but our response to it and how we react to it. And I think collectively those experiences make, make us better. Um, I think whatever profession or career you're in, people who have written perseverance tend to be the ones who succeed at those professions. And they generally achieve those by pretty much having an unfair life. A lot of things happened that shouldn't have happened to them and they dealt with it and they overcame the obstacles and the shortcomings and they're on the other side of it. You know, they made it through the rain and they got to the uh, forest to the other side of things. And um, so uh, often when bad things happen, they don't make a whole lot of sense, but when we get through them and we find the next bad thing happening, we're much better prepared to deal with it. Mm. Well, fair enough. But still, despite the fact that the world is moving in, in these modern times and we have you know, so many policies put in place to help people uh, feel somehow equal in, in, in the world, there is still a lot of disparity. I mean, we're looking at how the capitalistic world is moving uh, further, further into creating this gap between some elites and most of the others that are barely, you know, uh, making the, the ends meet. So it's not easy for, for people across the world. Now, if you look uh, into the ancient times, like maybe two and a half thousand years ago, Confucius used to say that to be, to be really wealthy and honored in a, in a, in just world, it's, it's not something we should appreciate. It's a disgrace. And yet, we seem to be looking up at people that achieve uh, that kind of success in the materialistic world, people that make a lot of money, people that uh, reach uh, certain positions and they have a lot of influence and power in the society. So from this perspective, where are we going? What's going on with us? You know, I, I agree with your analysis. The disparity between the most wealthy and the least is growing and increasing, and um, you're having a larger billionaire class, and each of them is creating greater wealth just by the way they grow their money, and they're growing greater influence. I mean, they're going to space. They're doing whatever they want to do. Yes. It is a little odd to see that happening in real, in real time. Um, and in terms of answering that question, I don't know – what can be done to sort of offset that. It is challenging. Mm -hmm. I mean, the wealthy will continue to get wealthier, almost obscenely so, and yes. they will continue to use that uh, power and opportunity uh, to their advantage uh, because, you know, we live in a capitalist society and people uh, in this society try to uh, advance their own personal needs and try to increase uh, their personal wealth and just the way our system is working. And if there aren't really any bumpers or any, uh, challenges along the way will continue going and these differences will continue to grow. And I think, you know, to the extent uh, we can provide more access and more ability uh, to other individuals, uh, maybe either through micro loans to help them with their own business ventures, uh, more educational opportunities and trying to ensure that our public school systems are living up to their obligation to the youngest and least prepared of us. Uh, 
trying to provide more opportunities through universities, reducing the costs, and maybe even making it free, at least for the first two years. Uh, you know, I think education is important. I think it, teaching people more about how things work, how do they really work versus how we think they work, mm-hmm. and giving them the opportunity to pursue uh, their own goals and uh, ensuring that individuals who may not have otherwise have access to capital or have access to processes or to banks or to accountants or to lawyers uh, somehow make that easier and facilitate that. I think that'd be a huge step in that process. Right. So um, now, uh, obviously, to take responsibility ourselves, it's all about us. We, we are expecting the, you know, the governments and all of the other institutions, the social world, to respond to us and do something to to prevent any kind of mental illness, mental deterioration. But we as individuals, we also have this uh, ability to respond to life. So it's not really in the hands of others. Inequality, it's a reality. Injustice is a reality. But then how can we as individuals step in and maybe uh, take charge of our lives to make sure that we create a little bit of space for happiness, despite all the turmoil and all the nonsense that is going on in the world. And that's a great question. I think what we have to do first is determine what our purpose is. And I think our purpose is where our passions and our dreams and our talents intersect. If you were to create a Venn diagram and sort of on a piece of paper, write out what your talents were. And we all have a set of talents, some more than others, but we all have a group of talents. We all have a set of passions, what mm-hmm. gets us up in the morning, keeps us up at night. And yes. we all have dreams about what we want to accomplish. If you were to write those out and see where the three of those intersect in a Venn yes. diagram, that's generally where your purpose is. And so the question yes. is then, once you define that, define where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to affect uh, your life and the lives of others for the better, then you create a plan. You come up with a strategic plan for yourself to, to get from A to B. And you decide, well, you know, what do I need to do? What resources do I need? What education do I need? What training, education, experience do I need? And I think the process itself, trying to get there, um, is very uh, enlightening. It's very helpful. It's uh, it really kind of helps dissipate uh, anxiety and depression because you feel like you are walking and marching towards something bigger than yourself. And so it's you know it's not. That's that's. I think that's probably the most effective thing to do is defining what your purpose is, coming up with a plan and how to achieve it, and then every day having the discipline to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's about self discovery. It's about finding that real sense of identity, um, and following up any kind of dreams and aspirations that you have for yourself. Absolutely. But is that sufficient to help you go through the days, especially through those days when? You know, it's raining outside, you have a little conflict in your family, you maybe lost your job, or you maybe get diagnosed with a, I don't know, a terrible illness, or you lose someone dear to you, you know, like a family member and so on. The fact that you're focused on on, on, on this dream that's been created in our modern society, you know, just fulfill your passion, you know, achieve this, create a career, become this and that. That's all about the, the, the outside uh, uh, world. It's about your social persona, the roles that you have in the world. But what about you? How is that sitting with you inside when you're going to this tour yourself? I think we go through difficult periods in life. We have difficult seasons to help other people through theirs. And I mm-hmm. think ultimately... When we experience a crisis, we lose a family Mm -hmm. member, we have cancer, we lose a job, we get divorced, whatever it is, uh, ultimately, 
most of us will be able to get through it. Some of us can, unfortunately, but I think most of us can. And I think what we need to hold on to is that the lessons we learn aren't so much for us, but it is for the next person who comes after us. And so, you know, I suffered chronic depression for years. I was suicidal for years and I'm on the other side of that. And I think I went through that at that time, as difficult as it was to help people who are going through it now, because I did a lot of calls and a lot of messages and text messages from people who are in the thick of it, who really just want to check out of life. And I can tell them, I got through it, you can get through it. And I saw and heard and did what you did. And I'm still here and I'm actually helping other people and you're going to get through it. And at some point, you're going to pay it forward and help others. I think the problem with so many of us is that we are always so focused on ourselves and we're always focused on how things affect us even though i understand totally obviously if you're going through a disease it's affecting you personally yes but there's a way but we choose how to react to every situation and we all know people who are in dire straits we all know people who are have terminal cancer and are in a great mood and are very positive and ultimately they may succumb to the disease but they are true warriors and there are people who have very minor inconveniences and they seem like the whole world is collapsing on top of them and so i cannot change for anybody the circumstances they find themselves in uh, because often the circumstances are outside and beyond our control all we can do is how we react to them that is our only change we can do, our attitude, our feelings, the way we express ourselves in response to the situation, no matter how dire or serious it is. And so the best advice I have for everybody is that there's a lesson to be learned for whatever you're going through and whatever is happening. And often that lesson is to endure, is to get over it, to proceed with it, and then learn from it, and then share that knowledge and wisdom with others, because others will be going through the same experience. No matter how isolating you feel, you know, no matter what situation you find yourselves in, there are hundreds, if not thousands, or tens of thousands of people who have or will be going through the same situation. They have no idea how to go through it, and you have. And so, uh, going, looking beyond yourself and helping others and knowing that whatever you're going through, you're going to get through it, you're going to survive, you're going to be better. And at some point, somebody, your family, a friend, you know, maybe a total stranger is going to come and approach you and is going to ask you how you did it and you're going to show them and they're going to be better off for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for this very empowering, Frank. You speak like a Buddhist. Uh, for a moment, I I forgotten I speak to a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I think I, I can, uh, um, you know, I can agree that the, this has been the case in my life too, because I've been through some hardship as well. And I found at the end that the reason for experiencing this was to really learn that lesson. There was a teaching there that I had to carry with me in life and use it in my path for the next stages, for the next seasons in my life. And uh, yeah. It brings a lot of value to our lives. Uh, it's hard when it's happening. It's difficult to go through those stages. I mean, I don't want to be intrusive, but can I ask you a personal question? Because you mentioned about of your course. depression. Yeah. So how did you manage to overcome your depression? And especially you know, the suicidal I, uh, thinking. Yeah, I, I went through everything. I was, it was very challenging. And I went through a lot of counseling, a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists, a lot of medications. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of that worked. And I hit rock bottom. And I realized mm-hmm. if I didn't get out of it, I was going to just not going to be here much longer. And my experience is a little bit different than most. But I mean, I, I, I strongly recommend that you seek help. Uh, medications can and do work. Uh, you need to have a support system in place. My, mine was a little unique. Nothing else seemed to work. And I basically 
hit rock bottom and I realized I had to make a change. And, and that was, I think between 2012 through 2014, I was in a really bad shape in my life. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, since then I've kind of put that in the review and been able to really help people on, you know, and, and some common sense things that I learned from it is, you know, eating better, getting exercise, sleeping better, uh, getting a dog, for example, you know, okay. caring for somebody beyond yourself, you, yes. Know, yes. Uh, you know, something as simple as having yes. a pet. Uh, yes. can really be a life changer. And you, know, and, and you mentioned, um, you know, things that happen to us in, in the reference of Buddhism. There's a ancient story, which I'm sure you're familiar with, the story of the uh, Chinese farmer. Uh, and one day, um, the Chinese farmer has a horse and the horse runs away and his neighbors okay. come by and they ask him, you know, it's a shame, it's terrible. And he said, maybe. And the next day, the horse brings back seven wild horses. And so now he has eight horses and the neighbors come by and say, hey, isn't that wonderful? And the farmer says, maybe. The next day, his son tries to break in one of the wild horses, falls and breaks his leg. The neighbors come by and say, oh, that's awful. And the farmer says, maybe. And the next day, uh, people from the Chinese army come and they try to conscript his son, but they see that he has a broken leg and they leave him alone. He doesn't have to go off and fight in war. And his neighbors come by and say, oh, isn't that wonderful? And the farmer says, maybe. Things happen in real time uh, that we think are either good or bad, and we don't really know whether they're good or bad until years or decades later. Sometimes we have a broken heart. We have somebody we thought we were going to love for our lives. They disappear, and it turns out may have been the wrong, worst decision we ever could have made. Sometimes we get fired from a job, our dream job, and it turns out that company went bankruptcy or they're doing something fraudulent and we could have gone to jail over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, often we think uh, that whatever we're experiencing is the end of the world. It's terrible. It's awful. But time will tell whether it is or it isn't. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so, uh, so lovely. So can I ask what exactly helped you personally to raise up after you, you've been on your knees? Because you mentioned uh, that you've tried help, but eventually that wasn't really what helped you to, to, to right. transcend that kind of suffering and pain. What was yeah, it I, was, I was on a lot of medications, a lot of psychotropic medications, and mm-hmm. they were really just adversely affecting me. I couldn't yes. even walk properly. Uh, and again, I'm not suggesting people not take medication. That's certainly not the point of it. But for, for me and the uh, uh, and, and the cocktail of drugs I was on, it really was not working for me at all. Okay. And it got to the point where I couldn't even walk downstairs without tumbling down. And one day I just saw myself and said, what's, what's happening? This is really out of control. And, um, and decided that I really needed to approach things differently. And uh, in a fairly short period of time toward the end of that. It may, it may have been that I was just coming to an end naturally. It's hard to say, but yes. I really made the decision that I had to not react the way I was reacting and that no matter what the situation was, I needed to react differently. Um, and things weren't as cataclysmic uh, as I thought they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of what happened to me. And again, my, okay. my story is very personal. I, I, I don't yeah, want no to problem. draw examples from people. Certainly your listeners don't, shouldn't stop taking their medications or seeing their counselors. But, but that's what happened for me. And I think each of us has a road uh, to go through. And I learned certain lessons along the way. I learned the importance of making sure and checking on, checking in on people. Uh, you know, if you see a change in behavior of somebody, you need to find out what's going on. Uh, people start self-isolating. There's something going on. Um, people don't fake depression. They fake being okay. Yes. Um, and so if somebody is acting oddly and they're pretending to be okay, they may not be. 
no one's ever going to pretend that they're actually depressed. I've never seen anybody not depressed pretend they're depressed. You know, no one wants to be depressed. No one wants to act depressed. Nobody wants to be perceived as if they suffer from depression or anxiety. So, um, so if somebody is off and they are coming across differently, then you owe it to yourself to find out why. And people in depression um, push people away. They isolate themselves. They, uh, it's almost delusional, really. Uh, people think depression is just being tired or listless or uh, not wanting to get out of bed. And there's, there's a certain physical aspect to it, no doubt. But part of it is just seeing the world in a very different way. You know, I think there's the classic example that optimists see the glasses has half, em- uh, half full and pessimists see it as half empty. I think people who suffer from chronic depression see the water in the glass as poisoned. And they just see it very differently. Um, and so when you're dealing with somebody who's chronically depressed or anxious, they, they don't see the world the way you see it. They don't see it objectively. It's seeing the world through a broken kaleidoscope. And so yes. you have to meet them where they're at. And you have to be consistent and caring and empathetic and understand that the stuff you say that makes sense in a common sense world does not make sense to them. Uh, and they're looking for an excuse to push you away to then reaffirm to themselves that they're alone in the world, which will then push them into a deeper depression. So I think the best advice for people who are trying to live with somebody with depression, don't let them push you away. And if you are suffering from depression, you know, seek help. Thank you so much for sharing this story. And I will reiterate again that people uh, shouldn't take this conversation that we're having as uh, professional advice. Um, they should really get in touch with the counselor or therapist or uh, psychiatrist or psychologist, whoever they see, uh, to support them uh, in their decision to go on medication or go off medication because there are some uh, um, implications there. Uh, but yes, Absolutely. seeking, seeking uh, support is essential, whether professional support or just you know, writing in a journal or talking to someone dear, uh, just opening up uh, to that self-inquiry. Can I Can I just uh, uh, ask, uh, be a little bit cheeky and ask, would you say that maybe the transformation that happened in you wasn't really only on the level of the body and the mind? It was, in a way, a sort of a spiritual awakening when you transcended this physical world and you, you actually connected with something bigger than what you used to believe as being the world. And Oh, I agree. I think that um, understanding uh, that we're not alone, understanding that there's something greater, you know, understanding that uh, there's a connectedness among and between us. Uh, Ultimately, depression is very insular. Depression is very much about looking at the world through your limited viewpoint and the most dark and depressing way possible. And I think if you can move beyond that to understand there's something more about us and who we are and what we do um, and that we have a greater purpose that transcends just even this earth and goes beyond that, I think is very important for the metamorphosis that's required to move beyond the depression and go back into a better and more healthy way of looking at the world and life and friends and family and all that. Fantastic. And now, as we are approaching uh, uh, the end of the podcast, let's uh, um, quickly find out what is happiness to you these days? I think happiness for me is helping others. I think if I can... Being of service. Yeah, if I can help somebody else achieve 
something greater than themselves. You know, like if, if they too have some purpose that grows beyond them and they're not quite sure how to achieve or accomplish it and I can help facilitate that and give them ideas and tools to do that, then that certainly makes me feel better. I uh, am very fortunate to get a lot of text messages and emails and direct messages from people who follow me on LinkedIn. I post there daily. I've been doing that for about five, six years now. And, you know, I, I provide life advice, really. It's, it's, it's directed to lawyers, but it's pretty much advice that would be applicable to anybody. Now that I'm 50 years old, I think I can have a better perspective on things. And I just get comments about people like that they read something that I said or a book I wrote or something I recorded and that it helped them achieve what they wanted to achieve. And I think that's very rewarding. And I think being able to do that uh, is creates a lot of happiness in me knowing that at the end of the day, you know, it's more than just a job. I'm helping people, uh, achieve their own goals and achieve their own wishes and dreams is very satisfying. Wonderful. A quick tip for all of those listeners that are struggling right now, how can they embrace happiness through their difficult times? The first thing that they need to do is. I think the first thing to do is that whatever they're going through, it's temporary. Okay. Uh, temporary means different things to different people. Temporary yes. may be longer than you expected, but the, the sun will come out again and yes. you have to hold on to that. And it may be a long season in your life, maybe a short season, but things will improve. Things are cyclical. Uh, you know, there's seasons, there's, you know, everything about nature, everything that we know knows that we all go through changes. And so hold on to that. Uh, seek out people who've been through it themselves and they will provide you their own wisdom as to how they got through it and and know that one day when you get through it you're going to be in a position to help others wow absolutely phenomenal thank you so much so now the final word if you can maybe allow the listeners to um, find out from you from all your life and professional experience is there any particular recipe for happiness in our modern very very changing world you know, don't get tied into the material stuff. Um, I think we have a very society that we want instant gratification through social media and through all the stuff we own. And if you fall for that, you're going to be unhappy because there's always going to be something else you want you can't get. Mm -hmm. And so focus on family, focus on friends, focus on the more important things, the more tangible things. And I think that's where you'll find happiness. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Frank. It's been such a lovely conversation. I really appreciated it. A big thanks to all of you listening and watching and many, many thanks to you, Frank, for joining me here today. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. That's it for now. Until next time, we are wishing you all good health and happiness.